Hello and welcome to the Monroe Method Climbcast. I am your host, Jason Monroe, and this is episode five. Now I feel like such a dick when I do that at the start every time. But and I always, you know, when I have always done this thing where I'll talk about things on social media or I'll record a video or I'll do something in our coaching group or I'll say something and I'll say it once. And I just think that because I've said it once, then I don't need to say it anymore because you've said it once. Everyone that listens to you and follows you will have heard you say it. Do you know that like less than 1% of the people that follow you on Instagram actually see your stuff? Um, So repetition is kind of essential. Now, today... I got a really good suggestion. I got There was lots of good suggestions, but I can only fit so much in. Um, but the one that leapt off the page at me when I asked for suggestions today was, uh, oh, what was the exact word? And you could talk about the top five traits of successful dieters, was it? Where are we? Was it Shell? Yeah. Top five traits of successful dieters. Um, and how people can adapt for success, maybe more of a mindset one. I wanted to jump on this because in the past I've put together posts on social media and it's been like, yeah, you know, habits of successful dieters. And my thoughts and my opinion on this has completely changed and evolved over the last five years. Once upon a time, I might have said to you, they drink water with every meal, they chew their food slowly, they eat out less frequently, you know, all this stuff. But... Do you know what? I I think completely differently now because the more that the longer this has gone on and the longer that I've done this and the more people that I've worked with, the more I've realized that, that you know, people people don't really need these basic things as much as they need to improve the way that they think and their mindsets around food, dieting, etc. I think that nutrition, dieting, weight loss, successful weight maintenance is a battle that's won in the mind um, that can be supported by habits and actions and behaviours and things that we do. But I think that for the most part, it's a mental game. So, here are the Monroe Methods top five uh, traits of successful dieters. Now, it's interesting because the wording of this was successful dieters, not like, you know, people that successfully maintain their weight. I mean, I take this question to mean, how can someone go through a period of dieting and then become successful and out of the other side of it? So here, I took some time with my notepad and I wrote down five things. I'm going to run through each one and expand on them. And I'm also going to read them out in order of priority. So this is number one. This is the thing, the number one thing that I think is most important when it comes to being a successful dieter. Because without this, you can't be successful. Without this, you will yo-yo diet for your entire life. And that's why it's number one. So number one. Successful dieters have a good relationship with all foods, not just the perceived good or healthy foods, all foods. And I know we've spoke about this in another podcast, you'll see me talking about it all the time, 
anyone listening to this has worked with me for any length of time will know that we've spoken about it a lot. You know, once upon a time when I was one of you guys um, on my own journey, losing my own weight and, you know, trying to get to a point where I didn't go through my life losing weight, losing stones and gaining stones year after year, you would hear people always referring it to it as a, a journey and you know, it's not some short-term thing. It's a lifestyle change and all this stuff. And I used to think that was all a load of shit. It was like, you know, I don't want any of that stuff. I just want to be less fat than I am just now, please. And I would like that in the shortest time possible. Thank you very much. And if you go through life like that, then you will always go through life like that. There will never be any relief from the endless cycle of weight gain and weight loss. So part of that journey is understanding that you have to improve your relationship with all of the foods and or drinks that you consume. And that comes from a place of not, I mean, it's a complex thing. I wish I I should, I can't check just now, but I did talk about it. In one of the other podcast episodes, it's probably in the title. Where are we? Spotify. Hmm. It's on one of them anyway. It's not like there's lots of episodes to go through. Yeah, it'll be on there. I've probably spoken about it numerous times because it is so important. But I've, I've delivered two if I do say so myself, very good live chats on this inside our private coaching group. One was a couple of years ago at the start of the pandemic. I called it, it's not you, it's me, improving your relationship with food. And then there was another one, good food, bad food. How the language we use around the food we consume influences the way that we think, act and behave around it. So yeah, you have to have a good relationship with all foods. You have to be able to eat a chocolate bar and not feel terrible. You have to be able to say yes to a piece of cake and not feel rubbish after it. You have to be able to eat a packet of crisps and not want to eat 10 packets of crisps after it because you feel bad about the first one that you had. These are examples of people that have poor relationships with food. I speak about this thing a lot called the three parts of enjoyment. And the three parts of enjoyment is when we enjoy the idea of something, the thought of something, the build up to it. Christmas was just past, so that's a good example. We enjoy the thought of Christmas, the build up, the excitement, all the things we're going to do, all the people we're going to see, the social occasions, the food and drink we're going to have. We enjoy all of that. Part two of the enjoyment is when we get to the occasion. We enjoy the food that we have, we enjoy the drinks we consume, we enjoy the company we do it in and all those things. And part three of the enjoyment is where the majority of people miss out. They miss out on on achieving the full enjoyment of whatever the experience is because part three is the ability to enjoy the memory of it. So that's waking up the next day or, you know, sat at work on a Monday thinking back to the weekend. And it's, it's not sitting there thinking, God, I ate too much, I drank too much. I'm going to have to eat much less today because I had so much on Saturday. I'm going to have to restrict today because I ate too much on Sunday. I shouldn't have had that Chinese last night. I shouldn't have had that chocolate before bed. 
if you find yourself getting involved in this kind of negative self-talk, then you have a poor relationship with food because you have a poor relationship with the way that you have used food and the way that you think about it afterwards. So number one on my list of the traits of successful dieters is that they have to have a good relationship with food. And that's not just something that happens overnight. It's probably not something that you're going to be able just to achieve on your own, as in, you know, you can't listen to this podcast and say, right, I am going to, I've decided that biscuits are good and chocolate is good. It doesn't work like that, unfortunately. It's something that takes time and effort and it's an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing journey. And it's it's part of, you know, when I did a, a webinar recently, first time I've ever done one, and it was just, the, the whole reason behind it was, I want to start doing these webinars to show people on the outside of Monroe Nutrition what it's like on the inside. So I put together this webinar with lots of slides, then I took them inside the group and showed them some things. And on one of the slides, you know, I was explaining, you know, most people are trying to take you from A to B, as in most coaches, personal trainers, etc. They're trying to take you from A, some terrible overweight photo of yourself that you hate, to B, some perceived better version of yourself that is more acceptable to share on social media. And all they want is this before and after picture. And the thing is, the before and after picture doesn't teach you what goes on in between. Someone could binge and restrict themselves to an after picture. Someone could starve themselves to an after picture. Someone could develop, you know, disordered eating or even an eating disorder between A and B. You know, my job between A and B is to take someone from where they are to where they want to be. But, you know, my my job isn't the kind of the before and after pictures. My part is to do the best possible job I can in the brief amount of time that I have this person putting their faith and trust in me to help them. I have to do the best job I can between A and B to make sure that B is something that lasts. And that's why I don't share many before and after things on Instagram. Um, I only ever do it if I know that the, the story behind it is true and honest with people like Marnie, for example, who is my friend now and you know, has been for a few years. She is still maintaining at whatever B was when she stopped losing weight, when she lost a hundred pounds. And then people like um, Pete and Andy Duncan, people that have continued to carry on the way they are. I am more than happy sharing their testimonials and their before and afters. I'm not still clinging on to people's transformations from four years ago that are like, have just went back to normal or went back to slimmer world. Do you know what I mean? These are people that I have helped achieve a good relationship with food. These are people that no longer view foods as good and bad, as healthy and unhealthy, as things that they should or shouldn't have. They don't use wording like, oh, I'm going to be bad, I'm going to be naughty, let's be cheeky and have this. Because of all that terminology, all that stuff, that's what keeps this endless yo-yo diet cycle going. And it's why things like, I mean, I know it always seems to circle back to Slimming World during these podcasts, but it's why Slimming World is so terrible because of the language that they use. Healthy extras, free foods, sins for God's sake. 
you know, they, they created a plan that ruins your relationship with food because here are these foods that are high in sins. I mean, you would be as well just calling them bad. Here are these foods that are just endlessly free. You can have as much as you want. I mean, what kind of what kind of language is that to use when you're trying to help people? You know, that's not the language of a plan that's trying to help people lose weight for life. That's what that's, to, that's a, the wording of a plan that's trying to help people become mm, not losers. That's not the right word. You know what I mean, right? There's like there's lifelong weight loss, and then there's lifelong dieting. There we go. That's the kind of the difference. There's a difference between losing weight for life and dieting your whole life. Losing weight for life is doing it once, doing it right, and never having to do it again. Dieting for life is losing and regaining the same weight year after year and paying the same money to the same company to help you lose the same weight you lost with them last time. And one of the ways to make sure that people always have weight to lose is by making sure they have a terrible relationship with food. And when they go off on their own, they believe they're falling into this cycle and the reason they're falling into this cycle is because they're not latched onto this plan anymore. So yeah, the number one thing about getting away from the yo-yo dieting world is improving your relationship with food. And that is why it's something that I focus on so ridiculously heavily. Not ridiculously heavily, so heavily with the people I work with. It's the reason that the minute I see the word good or healthy or unhealthy or bad or junk or crap or rubbish, any of these terms getting used, when I do check-ins, we'll have a conversation about it. Well, why why wasn't it a good why wasn't it a good meal? Why wasn't it a good choice? What do you mean when you say that you've been making bad choices? If they were bad choices, why are you making them? And that's where that's where the real work begins. You know, it's it's so difficult for me to convey what it is we do inside our coaching groups because you know, people send me messages going, "Oh, is it just calories and macros?" And you know, and how do I sit and explain everything that I've just explained to you? No, it's this and it's this and it's this. I'm like, oh yeah, I don't want that stuff. I don't want all that relationship stuff. I just want the skills to go down. I've got a holiday in a few weeks. So yeah, that's number one. Number two, they do not see their journey as having an end point. Now for me, yeah, this is the next big one. They do not see their journey as having an end point. So another great one that I love talking about. One of the, oh god, it's going to come back to Slimming World again. One of one of the many, many, many areas where Slimming World fall down is that they reward people for losing weight, and they celebrate this target weight thing as being some sort of success. Congratulations, you've done it. And here's the thing: most people already know how to lose weight. Most people have already lost weight countless times. You listening to this right now, how many times have you lost weight in the last however many years? I asked a question on Instagram the other day. Here were the three questions. How how many years have you been dieting for? So when did you first start dieting? Are you still dieting now? How many years is that? How much money have you spent in that time on dieting, roughly? Someone said 10 grand. 10 grand over 20 years, 25 years. 
And the last question was, are you, do you now weigh more, less or the same as when you started dieting? And the vast majority of people said they were either the same or more. Now that's mental. I talk about, when I talk about yo-yo dieting, I use, um, I use the term that it's like results for hire. So you follow a plan, you pay the money, and then you get to whatever this target is. But you only stay at that target for as long as you keep doing the things or you keep following the plan. Once you stop following the plan and go back to quote-unquote normal, you start to regain weight again and you start to go backwards. Now, you paid all that money, you got to where you wanted to be, you you temporarily hired those results and now you're handing those results back again until you keep going till you get to the point where you're back to where you were before and then you have to hire these results again. And I believe that one of the reasons that happens is because people treat weight loss as an end goal. Now I've said this on here before, weight loss is not an end goal. Weight loss is an in-between goal. If you're, think of this, right? If your issue is that you repeatedly find yourself in a position where you have weight to lose, you do not have a weight issue. Weight isn't a problem. Being overweight isn't your issue. Repeatedly finding yourself in a position where you have weight to lose. Now, the only way that can happen is if you keep gaining weight. So you don't have a weight issue. You have a weight gaining issue. You have a you are you don't understand how to not gain weight. So weight loss isn't a solution to weight gain. Think of that again. You know, listen, I'll say it again. Weight loss, losing weight, isn't the solution to gaining weight. Losing weight is the solution to being overweight. But losing it isn't the solution to why you keep gaining it. Now, th- and this is where people get it wrong. They, t- they tackle the wrong thing. You, do not ha- you don't need to know how to lose weight. You already know how to lose weight. You're probably good at it. You've probably done it so many times that you know exactly what... You know, how many times have you said that to yourself? I know exactly what I need to do. I just need to do it. And that comes from treating weight loss as an end goal. When people join... Monroe and we establish what their goals are initially, you know, they'll say, oh, weight loss and this and this and this. It's like, yeah, weight loss is a terrible goal. You are a yo-yo dieter. Your end goal should be weight maintenance, learning how to maintain your weight, learning how to not gain weight. That's your end goal. The weight loss part is that annoying thing that we have to do to get to that level where you are around whatever a healthy weight might be or whatever a comfortable weight for you personally might be. That's going to be different for everyone, right? But weight loss is the the short... Weight loss should be the shortest part of your journey, right? You should spend a year losing the 50 pounds and getting to a healthy weight and then the rest of your life would be about maintaining that within a range. But people get it the other way around. They'll spend 30 years losing and gaining weight and never maintaining it. Weight loss, it should be the other way around. Weight loss should be the shortest part of your journey. That's why when I first started doing what I do, my kind of slogan was, do it once, do it right, never have to do it again. 
because that's what it is. If you do it right, then you will only have to do it once and you'll do it once. And then once you, you reset, you know, you're essentially resetting your body weight, getting it to a place where it's healthy or comfortable or, you know, whatever it is that's important to you specifically, your own reasons for doing it. You get to that point and then, and then the real work begins. And coming back to Slimming World, this is where Slimming World Weight Watchers, anyone else that encourages target weights, target members, um, gold members, platinum members, like whatever it is, they are, they're, they're, they're creating the situation where you believe you've done it. Oh, that's me, I've done it. Brilliant. I'm a success. And it's not the fucking case at all. It's, it's such an unhelpful way to think. Because once you think you've done it and that's it, the hard work's over, look at everything I've done, look how amazing I am. They even put me on the cover of a magazine. What happens then? When the accolades stop. When you've no real reason to go to group anymore. When all these people around you are still losing weight and you feel like you're the one missing out because you're not getting these exciting losses and things anymore. Because that's a thing as well, by the way. Probably a topic for another time. But people get addicted to the accolades. People get addicted to the compliments. They get a little bit um, down when the compliments stop and people stop congratulating them. But anyway, that's a, a different topic entirely. So number two, they don't see their journey as having an end point because it doesn't. It's like it's like saying you want to exercise and then you want to exercise to a point. And you go, oh, look at what I've achieved. And then you just stop exercising. That's not what exercise is for. Exercise is a lifelong thing. You know, our body, your body is the only vessel that you have to carry you from the beginning of your life to the end of your life. And you have a duty of care to your body to keep it in a condition that will help you get as far to that end as you can, I would hope, is the case for most people. So treating your health, your weight, as something that has an end point is ridiculous when we think of it this way, right? So when it comes to successful dieters, they don't treat their diet as something that has an end point. They don't say that, you know, once I've lost this weight, then that's me done. I can just go back to eating like this. I can just go back to normal. There is no end point. You are, and this is why they call it a journey. This is why... The guys in my group will tell you this is why you I will kind of pick up on them for using language like on plan, off plan, on track, off track. Our life is not some you know this on plan, off plan, track stuff. Your life is one long plan. Your life is one long track. Life is not something that you can get on and off. Life is not something that you can start and stop. So this on track, off track mentality, this black and white thinking that we use. It's another key driver behind why behind why people kind of repeatedly find themselves themselves in these positions where they have weight to lose again. Life doesn't I mean it does have an endpoint, right? But hopefully, it's going to be way in the future. It's not just now while you're off track because you had a takeaway last night, and now you're going to allow that to rule your whole weekend, and you're going to get back on track on Monday. That's such short 
sighted thinking as is, oh, I'm going to diet for this holiday to lose weight and then just eat what I want and worry about the game when I come back. If that's the way that you think, if that's your kind of mentality, then you will be dieting for your entire life. Once you realize that your your end goal is to maintain a healthy weight in the long term for countless reasons that I'm not going to list because I'm already 25 minutes in, I'm only on number two. Um, once you realize that weight maintenance is the kind of end goal and weight loss isn't, then you will, I don't know, it's hard to put into words how much of your life could be saved by just treating it in that way. How much money you could save, how much time you could save, how much stress, tiredness, frustration, how much of your mental health you could save. You know, think about it. What what sort of what sort of impact does dieting have on you? And how you know how many years have you been putting yourself through the same cycles? Stepping on the scales every morning, wanting them to go down, but they don't. What does that do to you? And yet we put ourselves through it year after year after year. Imagine getting to the... I did a, a po- I did a post on Instagram a while ago. I took a picture of me crouching down in my office, right? And then I removed the background, sat me crouching down, looking, and then I put a gravestone in. Here lies Jason Monroe. It was like Slimming World member 1990 to 2030 or something like that. <laughs> I can't remember what else was on it. But, you know, it was like, how, how do you want to be remembered? Do you want to be remembered as... The person that dieted for 50 years? Do you want to look back at the end of your life and think, God, how much of my fucking life did I waste sitting in those fucking classes, standing on the scales, counting sins and free foods and healthy extras? Like, when you get to the end of your life, you will regret the time that you wasted losing weight and you will regret that you didn't do it differently. That you didn't do it once, do it right, and then never have to do it again. So yeah, that's number two. Number three. A habit of successful, whatever it was, people, weight loss people, successful dieters. They understand the outcome of their choices. They take ownership of their choices. So weight gain no longer becomes something that happens to you. It is something that you do to yourself. Um, And I know we've spoke about this recently on a podcast where we spoke about the outcome. Everything, every choice that we make, everything that we do has an outcome. And we are just as much choosing the outcome as we are choosing the thing that leads to the outcome. So the the example always uses, nobody says I'm going out for a drink. Sorry, nobody says I'm going out for a hangover this weekend. Nobody says that. You know, you're not sat in the office on a Friday saying, oh, I am going to be, I am going to get so hungover on Sunday morning. I cannot wait. You don't say that. You say, I'm going out for drinks on Saturday night. I cannot wait. I'm going to have a bottle of wine tonight. I cannot wait. You don't say, you don't, you don't acknowledge the outcome. You don't go on holiday and say, I am going to pile on the pounds this week. I absolutely cannot wait. Cannot wait to get back from that flight next Sunday and step on the scales and see how much weight I've gained. You don't do that. You think of all the food and drink that you're going to eat, all the lounging around you're going to do. 
We don't acknowledge that we're choosing the outcome. We just choose the things and the outcome feels like just some side effect that's happened. So understanding that the every everything that you choose to do, every choice that you make, every decision that you make, someone says every choice has a consequence. I don't like the word consequence because that's a bad thing. But every choice that you make leads to an outcome. If I go out, you know, it's Friday now, if I get drunk tonight, I will have a hangover tomorrow. I am just as much choosing one as I am choosing the other. And when it comes to bringing it back to dieting, if if you are going to go out for dinner three or four nights a week or have takeaways three or four nights a week and make no adjustments the rest of the time, i.e. I'm having a takeaway tonight. If I skip breakfast, have my usual lunch and have my dinner, then that will probably bring me within my kind of balance of nutrition for the day. Or knowing that you are going out for a big meal this weekend and there's going to be lots of drinks involved, maybe this week, instead of having, here's my example for me personally, I usually have like a magnum or something similar most nights once the kids are in bed and my wife and I are watching something on TV. You know, if I was planning to go for a meal, I would say, do you know what, I'll skip the magnum this week because I know that when it gets to the weekend, it's, it's kind of similar to saving up for a holiday or, or a luxury. You know, when you save up for a holiday or a luxury, you don't just stop paying the mortgage or paying the bills or paying for your car. You make cutbacks on your luxuries. So it's making a few adjustments to your luxuries during the week to balance out with a bigger luxury at the weekend. It's just one of the many ways that I would approach these things. So understanding that your choices have an outcome. Understanding that gaining weight is a choice. Losing weight is a choice. Maintaining your weight is a choice. You don't just wake up one day and stand on the scales and go, oh, how did that happen? You know how it happened. It happened because of there is a, there are a number of things that you are doing that have contributed to that. So I think that successful dieters understand the outcomes of their actions. They understand that they are choosing the outcomes through the choices that they make. And I think when you start to acknowledge that and take ownership of it, rather than burying your head in your sand in the sand. Um, do you know what? I, there was someone who I worked with a few years ago, and she was so into it, so into the process. She was doing Instagram Lives, talking about Monroe and how great it was and how much it was helping her, and it was. She was doing absolutely brilliantly. We were making incredible progress. And then she had a big holiday and she did like a Q&A thing and I was I was looking through the answers and somebody said about, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to approach this holiday differently? And then she said, no, I'm just going to go enjoy myself and worry about the gain when I come back. And I went, oh no. And we had to chat about it and I was like, yeah, because that thing that you said on that story, is that your kind of mindset around this? Like, yeah, yeah, I work hard. Um... But, you know, when I come back, I'll get back to normal. I get back to my exercise. I get back to my healthy eating and all this. And I was like, oh, man, this is all going to fall to pieces. You know, and we have been doing so well. And I tried to explain. I was like, this is part of this black and white thinking. This is part of this on track, off track thing. You know, this is you kind of slipping away from all the good work that we've been doing. I would really encourage you to try and keep doing what you're doing most of the time on holiday. But just don't go from one extreme to the other. But 
they did. They treated the holiday as an excuse to take a rest from eating healthy, from exercise, all the other amazing habits they'd been building. And they came back from holiday, can't remember how much they'd gained. And they were completely upset about it, you know, and it's one of those situations where it's like, you know, why are you upset about this? I understand why you're upset, but you also chose this. And they never got back into it. They they left the group, they rejoined six months later, they tried to get into it again because they had a big wedding coming up, their own wedding, couldn't get back into it. And eventually they fell away to the wayside again. You know, and that's it, that was someone that didn't, you know, want, I want to go and join myself. I'll worry about it when I get back. And they, they, came, they knew they were going to have a game because of the way they were going to do things, but they didn't expect it to be as much as it was. But at the same time, it's like, but it was, you know, your weight's never wrong. Your weight is this after your two weeks holiday because you stopped moving and started eating more and drinking probably most days. Um, so yeah, successful dieters, they take ownership of their choices and that ownership creates a bit of accountability as well. For example, I would love to be able to have a few beers and a takeaway every night of the week because it's fun, it's convenient, there's no washing up to do, it tastes great. And who doesn't love getting tipsy after a few beers? However, those are just a few of the pros. The cons of that, for me, completely outweigh everything. My sleep would be terrible. I'd be a horrible person in the morning. Probably wouldn't be a good parent to be around. I would be a terrible coach because I'd be sat feeling like a bag of crap on chickens. All these other things. My weight, again, would be an outcome. So... When you understand what the outcome of your actions will be, it makes it easier to make the more helpful choice. And when you are taking ownership and responsibility for the choices that you make, it makes it easier to make the more helpful choice. So, that was number three. Number four. Number four is that they understand that they will gain weight again in the future. And that's okay. And that last part's the kind of key part, the acceptance of weight gain being completely normal. When you go through life terrified of gaining weight, believing that weight maintenance is keeping your keeping the scale at an exact number for the rest of your life. If if you go through life under you know believing that, and you do step on the scales and you see a number that isn't that exact number or as close to that number as you know you've created, because you'll create this thing where it's okay as long as it says this that's still fine. When you when you step on the scales and you see a number that's outside of that, then what do you do? How do you react? How do you react to your emotions? And if you're someone that has that kind of all or nothing mentality or black and white thinking, then that's when the path to regaining weight might start again. So one of the key things is understanding that weight gain is a a perfectly normal part of life, just as weight loss is a perfectly normal part of life. The difference is we don't set out to intentionally gain weight in the same way that we intentionally set out to lose weight. 
Now that's kind of contradictory to what I've just said about number three being understanding that your weight is the outcome of your choices. But here's the thing. When we are gaining weight, we are not intentionally trying to gain weight. We are doing a bunch of other things that lead to weight gain. When we are losing weight, we are generally intentionally trying to lose weight. And because of that, doing all the things that lead to weight loss. I feel like I said weight gain twice there, I'm not sure. But you know what I mean. Now, because of this, weight weight gain then becomes this. Again, I suppose there's a lot of this that kind of there's a lot of this that's intertwined with number three, where the belief that weight gain is something that just happens to us. You know, and it means that weight gain becomes a bad thing, and weight loss becomes a good thing. And that's not the case. Because weight gain is perfectly normal. It is a perfectly normal bodily function. The body fat that you carry is by design. You know, if you've over if you've consumed more energy than you've needed, if your consumption matches a level of activity that you aren't doing, then that energy has to go somewhere. And that's why it is stored as body fat. Body fat is your reserve fuel tank to be tapped in at times where there is less food available. So it's perfectly normal to gain weight. It is perfectly normal to gain weight when the nights get shorter, when we spend less time outdoors, when we're not as active, when we are studying or have extended periods of intense work or stressful times at, you know, at work. Maybe we have to spend more time sat down. Maybe we're grabbing food on the go a bit more often. But understanding that that doesn't last, that it's not forever, that's the key to it not being a negative thing. For, you know, I, I posted a picture on, on at the start of January and I showed myself, um, I, no, it wasn't the start of January, it was near the middle towards the end because I tried to take the picture around the same time as I took it the year before. 2021, I was very lean. Um, through December, if you remember, Christmas of 2020, um, we were allowed to have Christmas Day, we weren't allowed to have Boxing Day, you know, Christmas, um, what's the word, markets and things weren't a thing. I would normally have been to Edinburgh a few times with the kids and all this other stuff. We just didn't do anything, we didn't go anywhere. So I didn't have that same kind of festive holiday consumption that I might have in the past. I hadn't really been drinking because I don't drink in the house. I hadn't been anywhere to have a drink. Um, so yeah, through December in 2020, I got pretty lean and I took a picture and shared it on January the 21st, something like that. Here is me, end of January. Very lean because I've had a lean Christmas. I've not done very much. Versus last year. I nearly said this year. But yeah, I took the picture, January 2022, but it was a, ref- a reflection of how I was living through... December 2021. Heaps of things on. Lots of meals planned. Lots of social gatherings at people's houses, people at our houses. We had the Boxing Day and the Christmas Day and the day in between with friends and New Year's Eve hours. All these different things. And I wasn't as lean as I was the January before. But my level of leanness, what my weight looked like, is a, a, is a, a temporary a temporary reflection of how I am living my life at that given time. Now you probably wouldn't have been able to say much difference between the photos but you could see that I was a little bit fuller around the edges and I notice it because I know where I carry body fat. 
than I was the year before. And that's fine. It's not an issue. Because it's, you know, your weight will go wherever your lifestyle is. I had an exceptionally busy time. Since New Year's Eve, I have done nothing. And my weight is likely coming down again. Not that I'm monitoring it, but I can feel that it is. Um, unintentionally. Because of how I'm living my life. Because season weight gain is perfectly normal. And we're at that point in the year where it gets into February, into March, into April. The lights, the nights get lighter. The days get longer. The weather hopefully calms down a bit. People will be more inclined to go for walks. More inclined to spend more time outside. And when we spend more time outside and our activity levels go up, then it's likely that we'll start our weight will start to decline. But having that understanding that weight gain is not a bad thing that you are going to lose and gain weight for the rest of your life. Accepting that as something that's going to happen, I believe is one of the traits of a successful dieter. Because you probably, you've probably spent most of your life believing that weight gain is bad, weight loss is good. And remember, all these things that you've believed for all of this time, they have all contributed to you being in a position where you are now where you're listening to my mod, my podcast, where you are in a position where you're still working on, you know, trying to get away from not losing weight all the time. Remember, everything that you have done up until this point has contributed to you being at this point. And if I come back to what I said at the start about the questions I asked on Instagram, you know, all of that money these people had spent over all of these years to weigh, to weigh more than they did when they started dieting. Everything that they chose... Every diet that they went to, it contributed to them still being in a position where they had weight to lose. And people just don't grasp that. They fail to grasp that going to Slimming World for the 20th time is the fucking reason that they are going to Slimming World for the 21st time. Do you know what I mean? So anything, the beliefs that you've held on to, the things that you've done in the past, the things that you keep going back and doing, the things that you keep on believing, these are the things that are keeping you stuck. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Something about you as a person has to change in order for the outcome that you keep experiencing to change. And the things I'm mentioning on this list are probably some of the most helpful when it comes to managing your weight. Now, number five is going to be a bit of the odd one out. But I have been saying this a lot in check-ins recently. Um, I've had so many, you know, when we do check-ins and we go through the check-in template, the first thing we focus on is the NSVs, the non-scale victories. And this is where I want people to go into as much detail as possible about things that have nothing to do with their weight, have nothing to do with the scales. I want to hear about everything else that's going on all the other positives and benefits they are experiencing as a result, as the outcome of the things they are doing. And one that's popped up quite a lot recently is I am slowing down when I am eating. I am stopping when I am full. I am no longer clearing my plate. This, to me, is one of the, the biggest bang for buck moves anyone can make when it comes to weight management. So number five for me will be successful dieters eat slowly or more slowly than they normally do and they stop eating when they're full or stop eating when they're starting to feel full. 
that, you know, imagine, I mean, let's put it into number terms, right? Let's imagine that you are someone that clears every single plate of food because it's something you've always done. I used to be one of them. And you do it because it's something you've always done. So you have, uh, I'll write this down so I don't get my numbers mixed up. So you have a 500 calorie breakfast, a 600 calorie lunch, and an 800 calorie dinner. So that's 1900 calories. If you are someone that clears every plate of food, regardless of how full you are. So if you're someone that approaches mealtimes from the point of every time I eat, I make sure the plate is empty. Then you are, you're passing the control of your needs over to a habit. You're not dialed in on internal cues. You're not dialed in on how full you are, how satisfied you are whether or not your body's telling you that it's time to stop. So if you are clearing every plate, and this is the the meals that you have, then you are going to have those 1,900 calories. Now, if we then approach it from a place of, I will slow down when I'm eating, pay attention to what I'm doing, we call this mindful eating, eat more mindfully, and I will stop eating when I am starting to feel full. And then breakfast time ends up 400 calories, lunchtime ends up 500 calories, and dinner time ends up 600 calories. All you've done is change one thing. You have decided that you are going to stop eating when you're full instead of stopping once the plate is empty. You are still comfortably full, you're still satisfied with what you're eating. But the difference now is you've gone from eating 900 calories to 1500 calories. From changing that one single thing on that one single day. Now multiply that by 7. Now multiply that by 52. Imagine how much less energy you might consume and how much less weight you might gain or how much easier it may be to maintain your weight if you change that one single behaviour. You slowed down when you were eating to give your body a chance to register what you've consumed. We'll talk about that more actually before I wrap up because this is, we're at 46 minutes now. Um, They slow down when they're eating and they stopped when they're full or starting to feel full. That's one honestly, truly, genuinely life-changing behaviour. It's not something we can measure. How good would it be, right, if we could tell someone, right, I want you to clear every plate for the next 10 years. And then you jump forward in time 10 years and you say, right, how have you got on with like dieting and your weight and stuff? And then you go back and you say, right, this time I want you to stop when you're comfortably full every meal for the next 10 years and slow down when you're eating. And then you jump forward in time 10 years and see how that's worked out. It's one of those ones that we wish we could do that. But I know how transformational that could be. Um, But yeah, just to talk about this quickly, your body recognises when you are eating, right? It understands the times of day when you regularly eat. You know, if you're someone that eats breakfast every morning, you'll be hungry at breakfast time. I am a habitual breakfast skipper, so I don't get hungry until lunchtime when I normally start eating. So your body understands the routine of when it is usually expecting to receive food. So it will start to gear up your bodily functions to receive food. It's why you get hungry at these certain times. Um... And then once you start to eat a meal, 
your body recognises what it is you're consuming. It separates it into carbs, into fats, into protein. It starts to predict when you are going to reach the point of satiety. Now, the problem is this is not a fast, fast, fast process. It's something that takes time. You need to eat the food, chew the food. Masticate is a horrible bloody word, but that's involved mastication, <clears throat> which is chewing, I think. Yeah, that's right, chewing. Um, and yeah, you 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 eat it, your body recognises the different components of what you're having, and it recognises what that's going to do for you and you know, when you might not need to take in any more of this fuel. Now, the problem is, as I said, this is not a fast, fast process. But And we can easily override that process with the speed at which we eat. So you're putting all this stuff in and your body's like, whoa, fuck, I can't keep up. So that, that was protein, that was carbs, that was fats. It can't keep up with it. Um, and then eventually it gets to the point saying, right, let's just tell them they're full. Switch it off, shut it down. And then you're like, well, I'm full. I'll just keep going because I'm going to finish this plate. That's why slowing down can be such a valuable thing. It's why taking breaks and putting your knife and fork down between mouthfuls can be massively valuable. You know, you can sit down to a, a, a 1,200 calorie dinner. You can eat it fast and you'll feel full by the end of it and you've had 1,200 calories. Or you can slow down and you'll start to feel full by the time you've had 900 calories. The only thing that's changed is the speed at which you're eating. And the speed at which you're eating can be the difference between consuming as much as you need or consuming much more than you need. I come from a background of, um, <laughs> you know, coming from a family of three kids, eldest brother, two brothers and a sister. Um, and we, you know, meal times for me, I was an outdoors kid. You know, as soon as you went out my mum's back door of our terraced house, it was onto a field and um, with lots of trees. If you ever needed to find me, I would be in the trees, building dens, digging tunnels, all these kind of things. Meal times were the rude interruption between playtimes. There would be that shout, dinner, you come home, and it built, you know, you're not leaving the table till you've eaten everything. Okay. So and, and I also wanted to get away quick because I wanted to get back to playing again because once the streetlights came on, that was it. You had it. You had to come inside. So I developed a habit of eating very quickly because I discovered that if I ate very quickly, I could fit it all in before I started to feel full. Yes, I would be stuffed after it, but I could get the plate finished and I could get back to playtime. I also got very clever at saving the best for last. I knew that if I ate the least tasty thing on the plate first, how good the last thing I ate tasted would help me override any fullness, right? So if I was having, I don't know, a cheeseburger and chips, for example, I would eat all of those chips first because they were the boring thing for me. The cheeseburger was the good bit. So fill up in the boring chips, starting to get quite full. Don't worry about it. The cheeseburger, I love cheeseburgers so much that it doesn't matter how full I am, I'll be able to eat that, no problem. It's the reason that we can have desserts when we go out for three course meals. You know, you sit and eat your main meal and go, I could not eat another bite. Would you like to see the dessert menu? Yes, please. Because the taste of a dessert is... Imagine we did it the other way around. I'm going to do a post about this. Imagine we had a dessert for a starter. How much of your main do you think you could fit in after you had a dessert? And yet, how much of your dessert can you fit in after you have a main? We'll leave that there on that bombshell. 
So, quick recap. The five traits of successful dieters. Number one, they have a good relationship with food, meaning you have to, it's not just about making a number on a scale change. It's not just about losing fat. You actually have to change the way that you think, act, feel, and behave around all of the foods you are consuming. Getting rid of negative food labeling and positive food labeling. Getting rid of this idea of healthy, unhealthy, good, bad, etc. Junk, crap, rubbish. Ditching all of that. Because once you ditch labels, you change the way that you behave and think and feel around these foods. Number two, they don't see their journey as having an end point. They understand that the management of their weight, the, the, their duty of care to their bodies is a lifelong thing. Not just let's get the weight down and go back to normal. Let's get the weight down and go back to normal. Rinse and repeat for eternity. They understand the outcome of their choices. They take ownership of the choices and decisions that they make and understand that they will all lead to an outcome. They understand that when you make a choice or a decision, you are just as much choosing the outcome that it leads to. And this can help make your decision-making process. You know, the, the more helpful decisions, the easier ones to make. They understand that they will gain weight in the future and that is absolutely okay. Weight gain is perfectly normal. It is not a bad thing. It is not the end of the world. That you believe that, that you think of it that way, is a key driver behind why you keep pursuing behaviours that lead to weight gain. It's why people self-sabotage. Oh, I've already done, you know, we've already done that, might as well keep it going. I'm just going to go on holiday and do this and I'll worry about it when I get back. We sabotage ourselves because of these beliefs that we hold. And number five, they eat more slowly and they stop eating when they are full. A life skill that absolutely everyone in the world could benefit from practicing. So as ever, I hope this has been helpful. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, again, there is nowhere to give me feedback on these on Spotify or wherever you're listening to it on, listening to it to. I don't know. Wherever you are listening to it. Um, please feel free to DM me. Please feel free to comment in the group on the Daily Post if you're a member. Um, it's always nice to get feedback. And, and yeah, if you are listening to this, go take a screenshot right now and put it on Instagram and tag me. I love sharing those things. And then I can share it and people go, oh, that might be worth listening to. So yeah, until next time, we will catch up in another fortnight.